take your Bibles out this morning, turn to Genesis chapter 40 within God's Word this morning. Genesis chapter 40 within God's Word. It is so good once again to have you with us here this morning. I see summer coming to an end and vacations, hallelujah, coming to an end. Praise the Lord. But Becky and I are getting ready to go on our first one. Hallelujah. But you're in good hands. Amen. Praise God. Genesis chapter 40. Have you ever had a problem with forgetting? When was the last time you walked down into your basement or walked up the stairway, you got to the top or you got down to the bottom, and you thought to yourself, now what did I come here for? Old-time lakesiders remember the time that, uh, and I, you know, I usually forget something when I'm in a hurry or I'm getting ready to go somewhere. Old-time lakesiders remember the time that uh, uh, I, I couldn't find my brown pants. I mean, you're in tough shape when, as a pastor when you can't find your pants. And I wanted my favorite brown pants. And, and uh, I just knew. I knew that I knew that I knew that Becky had hid them on me just to make me dependent upon her. And I'm looking all around for my brown pants, and finally, uh, it, and I hate to have to ask my wife for something and admit that I can't find it or I, I have misplaced it, and I finally shouted up to her. She was upstairs. I said, Honey, where are my brown pants? I'm losing my mind. we got to get going. Where are my brown pants? She said, Dear, you're wearing them. Ooh. Forgetfulness. But would you agree with me, forgetting something is not as bad as being forgotten by someone. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, betrayed by his brothers, reje rejected and cruelly beaten by his brothers. Then he's falsely accused of rape by Potiphar's desperate housewife. He's then thrown into Egyptian jail, that hellhole, Potiphar's dungeons. As he goes from bad to worse, you need to read the Joseph story. It's a true account that reads better than any novel or fiction. After eight years of being in this Egyptian hellhole, this nightmarish experience, there's a little ray of hope. Thrown into prison suddenly with Joseph is the king's high official, the cupbearer, the man who would squeeze Pharaoh's grapes and allow the grape juice to fall into his cup, and then Pharaoh would drink from it. The cupbearer had fallen into disfavor with Pharaoh thrown into prison. The cupbearer has a dream in prison. And Joseph interprets the dream and says, in three days, three days, you'll be restored to favor with Pharaoh. Favor.
Three days go by. And as the cupbearer is walking out of that hellhole, Genesis chapter 40, verse 14, Joseph cries out, and please remember me, do me a favor. When things go well for you, mention me to Pharaoh so that he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison. But I did nothing to deserve it. Did the cupbearer, did the cupbearer remember to give a kind word to Pharaoh about Joseph? I imagine Joseph was imagining and hoping that the prison warden would come to his jail cell and say, Hey, Joseph, it's your lucky day. Pharaoh has pardoned you. Get out of here. Did that happen? Genesis 40, verse 23. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Would you circle the word forgot on your sermon study guide or in your Bible? That word leapt within my spirit. That word has come, become to me a launching pad for a word that I believe that the Lord has placed upon your pastor's heart to faithfully deliver to you as the Lakeside Congregation. This is our last message on Joseph, our last message in our series, Down in the Pits, but Destined for the Palace. And it's a great word for you that desire palace living, but you're stuck in the prison, in the pits. Here it is. Will you be remembered or forgotten? There's no middle ground in this. There's no neutrality. There's no fence straddling in this. In the summation of time and eternity, you will either be remembered or you will be forgotten. Let's go to our first our first dynamic this morning. Though Joseph had been betrayed and rejected by his brothers, falsely accused by Potiphar, cruelly mistreated and abandoned by the Egyptians, forgotten by men, Joseph, oh, you need to get a hold of this, Joseph was remembered by God. Joseph was remembered by God. Over and over and over and over again throughout the entire story of Joseph, what do we hear? And the Lord was with Joseph. When he's betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery, we hear, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he succeeded in everything his hands touched. When he's thrown into prison, <laughs> what do we hear? And the Lord was with Joseph, and the jailer made Joseph the administrator of the entire prison, and the Lord caused him to succeed with everything he touched. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord remembered Joseph. The Lord remembered Joseph. Even in trouble and trial and tribulation, the Lord remembered Joseph. And I put scripture verses in there to remind you that man might forget you, but God always remembers you.
Perhaps, like Joseph, you've been mistreated. You've been used and abused. You've been betrayed and rejected. You've been abandoned. You've been falsely accused. You've been victimized. You've been forgotten. Perhaps you worked faithfully for a company, a business, an employer. You worked hard. You were faithful, but you've got the short end of the stick. You have been forgotten. Perhaps you sacrificed. You were generous. You loaned money to someone in need. It was a loan. And they have forgotten to pay you back. In fact, they have forgotten you. Perhaps you've been verbally trashed by a friend who forgot how you stuck with them through thick or thin, and, and their betrayal, their disloyalty has cut through your heart worse than any knife. Perhaps you've been cruelly cut off by your child who's no longer a little child. And he or she will have nothing to do with you. They rebel against anything that you stand for. And they have forgotten all of your love, your care, your hopes, and your prayers for their lives. And they've been a huge disappointment. Perhaps you're the, the one who said, I do to you, standing on a holy marriage altar, wedding altar. Perhaps the one who said, I do. Those I do's have dissolved into I don'ts. I can't. I won't. As they have forgotten and abandoned their holy wedding vows. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know who or what has forgotten you, but I'm here to tell you today, no matter how rejected, abandoned, or victimized you feel, no matter how much others forget you, God will never forget you. He remembers his own. He remembers the righteous. Hallelujah. My proof text is this, Isaiah 49. They say the Lord has deserted us. They say the Lord has forgotten us. But God says never. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. God began truly remembering you the day you experienced salvation by calling upon Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord. Paul the Apostle writes in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God has not forgotten our world. God remembered our world, which is and has been enslaved by sin and Satan, in bondage, in prison, without hope. Into such a dark world, God sent his only begotten Son as the final sacrifice, as the Lamb of God, as our Redeemer. What is a redeemer? A redeemer is one who 
pays a debt uh, he did not owe. We owed a debt we could not pay. We needed someone to take our sins away. Jesus is that someone, our Redeemer, who has purchased us from the slave market of sin, who has bought our freedom. He has redeemed us. What has he redeemed us with? Not with a Visa card, not with MasterCard. My Bible and your Bible says in Peter chapter 1, for you know that it was not with silver or gold that you were redeemed, but with the precious blood uh, of Christ. God has not only redeemed us, he has justified us. Justification is a legal term found in the Bible. Justification does not mean that you are pronounced not guilty. No, at the moment you are born again, God pronounces you innocent, just as though you have never sinned. When you are justified, you are, you are made righteous with God. You have right standing with God. When you are justified, God the Father sees his son Jesus all over you and says, this is my child in whom I'm well pleased. They have right standing with me. May all the blessings, may all the favor of both time and eternity be upon them. They are my child. The moment that you are born again, God remembers you not only with redemption, not only with justification, God remembers you as sanctification. Sanctification is both instantaneous and it's progressive. It happens immediately when you're born again and it happens every step of your walk with God. Sanctification takes place in two parts. You are separated from sin and you are separated to God. He who is holy makes you holy. You are incorrect to live by your religious background. You are incorrect to live by the thought that only special people like Mother Teresa are saints. My Bible and your Bible says that if you have been covered by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the Greek word is hagiaso. The Greek word translated in English declares that you and I who are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are saints before the living God. <laughs> you're not common. You're not ordinary. You're special. You are a saint uh, who follows the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You are the redeemed. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Lakeside family, Lakeside congregation, saints this morning, our problem, our problem, our problem is not our Savior. It is not the efficacy of His blood. Our problem is not even our behavior. Our problem is our perspective. The moment you were born again, you were pronounced righteous. You will never become any more righteous than you are. You cannot grow in righteousness. You are righteous before God the moment you accept by faith the sacrifice, the redeeming shed blood of Jesus Christ. You stand right before God. You please him. But what happens often, our behavior does not match our position in God. Our behavior, at times we fall into sin. We fall into wrong thinking, wrong talking, and wrong acting. But our position does not change. 
all you need to do is confess your sins. And he is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. And he who began a good work in you will complete that work. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but when we see him, we shall be made like him. It will be the consummation of our salvation. We will be born again, both spiritually and physically, and live with him forevermore in resurrection bodies. Hallelujah. I have been justified, sanctified, and one day I will be glorified because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Because God said, when I see the blood, uh, I will remember. Thursday night, I had the glad privilege of seeing the power of the blood. Seeing the power of when God sees the blood revolutionize lives once again. Thursday night, I had my neighbors in my house, and for two and a half hours, your pastor was counseling them. And through tears, I finally had to walk in the other room and get a box of Kleenex. Through tears, tears, a fountain of tears, I finally interjected as Problems were being poured out. Uh, a well of hurt over the years was being poured out. Uh, I finally whispered and I said, Is it a time you said yes to Jesus? And both of them looked at me and said, We want to say yes to Jesus. And they accepted Jesus in my living room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I looked him in the eye and I said, Matt and Jenna, I want you to know that the Bible says if anyone is in Christ Jesus, they are a brand new person. And the old things, the former things have passed away and all things become brand new in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah to our Redeemer. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. His blood will never lose its power. He's still saving people and he's going to save them this morning. The righteous are remembered by God through the, his provision of the miraculous, the miraculous in their lives. Some of you are in a prison of hurt. Some are in a prison of sickness, disease, malady, and affliction. Some of you are trapped in an enslavement of bankruptcy, financial dis disparity, unemployment. Some of you feel like you're in a prison of marital discord, divisiveness. I'm talking about a spirit of divorce. Well, you need to hear this word this morning. God has not forgotten you. Like Joseph, you feel like you're in a prison. But even though you are forgotten by man, God still remembers you, and he'll remember you with a miracle if you'll believe for it. Jesus said in Matthew 19, 26, with God, all things are possible. Thank you for your enthusiasm. We serve a miracle, wonder-working, healing God who is still in the miracle business. Hallelujah. 
This book, this book, this book, you can say all kinds of things about this book, but one thing that after reading this book, you come away with a clear understanding. It is a book of miracles from cover to cover. In the Old Testament, God led his people, Israel, into impossible situations that he might receive all glory, honor, and power, and blessing from their lips. He led them to the Red Sea, a place where there was no way out. But God created a highway, an I-75, through the Red Sea, through the waters, as he made a way where there seemed to be no way. Glory to God. And when they were hungry, when they were hungry, God, God took the angel food cake on his table and he showered it down upon them from heaven. He called it manna as he fed his people from the storehouses of heaven. And when they were thirsty, he called water to come out of a rock. When they were being uh, threatened by their enemies, when 185,000 ISIS uh, Assyrians assaulted Israel. One angel sent by God, one angel sent by God took on 185,000 and that next morning Israel looked out and they were all dead from one angel. One angel. Because God remembers his people with miracles. When his people are thrown into a lion's den, what does God do? He stops the mouths of lions. When they are thrown into the fiery furnace, what does God do? He turns on the air conditioner and makes it cool in the furnace. And the king looks down. The king looks down into the furnace and says, I see one, I see two, I see three. I see a fourth man in the furnace and he looks like the son of God. Hallelujah. Come on. I need help this morning. I don't have my friends up here in the front row this morning. I just realized that. Yeah. It's a book of miracles. And when I come to the New Testament, does the God of miracles stop remembering his people? He sends his son and his son does exactly as the father does. The sun causes the lame to walk and the blind to see. The sun, think of it, cleanses the lepers and sets them disease-free. The sun, with just one word, one word, casts out demons who scream in terror. The sun, time and time again, interrupts funeral processions and turns the funeral procession into a party procession as that dear one is made alive once again. Hallelujah. What does it all tell us? What does it all reveal to us? What does this book of miracles declare to us? God delights in remembering his people with the miraculous, with miracles of provision, miracles of his presence, miracles of his power, miracles of healing. Another thing that this book emphasizes is that God is an unchanging God. The Bible says in Malachi, 
very clearly, I am the Lord thy God, and I change not. Hebrews 13, 8, does the Lord change when it comes to the New Testament? No, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Added up all the miracles of the Old Testament, all the miracles of the New Testament, all the miracles of God the Father, all the miracles of Jesus and the apostles. What it all, does it all add up to? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. What is the summation? It's this. God is still in the miracle business. God is still in the healing business. You might feel trapped. You might feel enslaved. You might feel like you're in prison right now. Keep trusting the Lord. And like Joseph, promotion day is coming. Promotion day is coming. Expect the miracle. Taste it. Sense it. It's on its way. In a moment, God can take you from the prison to the palace. He did it once before. He can do it again. He is the Lord your God who changes not. Same yesterday, today, and forever. God also remembers his own with countless blessings, with his divine favor. Psalms 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. God not only satisfies, he overflows. Matthew 7, 11, If you then, though you are evil or earthly, parents, and you earthly parents know how to give good gifts to your children at Christmas time, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. I like this one, Romans 8, 32. Get a hold of this promise. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with Jesus, if God the Father gave us his very best, will he not graciously give us all things? How dare you, how dare you, how dare you think that God has somehow forgotten to favor you, to bless you, how dare you think that, that, that he has his favorites? My Bible says that, that uh, there is no respecter of persons with God. He does not have favorites. The question, the issue is, are you a child of God? Are you a Christ follower? If you are, there are blessings coming your way. There's favor coming your way because God has not forgotten your situation. God has remembered you. God is going to meet you at your point of need. Yes, you might be in the storm. Yes, it might seem like your Lord is sleeping in the boat. But guess what? He's just waiting for you to call out to him. He's waiting for you to wake him up. Though he's not sleeping, it shows his confidence in the storm. He's just looking for you to ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. And he'll stand up in the midst of your storm and say, Peace. Be still. Hallelujah. He's still the Prince of Peace, the Lord of glory. Hallelujah to our Savior who still stills the storms. Kim Traxler, where are you at? There you go. That's got to be scary when the preacher does that. Excuse me for doing that. I thought you were here. I knew you were in the last service. God bless you. 
God bless you. Uh, uh, Kim works with the church as our insurance broker and uh, works with me personally as well uh, on our insurance. And uh, uh, we have been working and praying together on life insurance. Your pastor was just denied life insurance. And uh, the letter that I got on uh, Thursday denied me, big reason, aorta disorder. Aorta disorder, the threat of an aorta aneurysm. The aorta, the big artery that runs from the heart down to the stomach. Many of you know the story I'm about to share. And that was the letter I got on Thursday. And that, in a sense, was true. Several years ago, they performed a CT scan on me and found that my aorta had enlarged from a normal measurement of 3.5 to 4.8. If it reaches, I'm told, 5.0, surgery, which is very risky, is considered. I waited a year. We went to prayer. Deacons went to prayer with me. My family went to prayer. A year later, because they wait a year, they don't want you to, you know, glow in the dark from radiation. I had a CT scan again, went in expecting the favor of God, went in expecting the blessings of God, and they called me here in the church office with the report, and she just, you know how it is when they call you. The bedside manner isn't always... It, it was done very technical, very casual. Uh, Mr. Chris, I'm calling to tell you that your CT scan is normal. Okay. Goodbye, sir. That, okay. Now, does that mean 3.5? Or does that mean it's still 4.8 and it just hasn't enlarged? Because it's impossible. It's literally impossible for it to reduce. So this time I was prepared, I called her back, and I said, now I understand that it's totally impossible for an aorta to reduce in size once it starts enlarging. She said, that is correct. You said that my CT showed the aorta to be normal. Does that mean 4.8 or 3.5? She said, 3.5. I said, well, I'm a pastor. And it was the month of December. And I said, are you telling me that I've experienced a miracle? She said, Merry Christmas, pastor. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But just as... My cardiologist didn't believe it. And so he ordered up another CT scan. Made me wait another year. And guess what? Guess what the Lord testified to my cardiologist and to my primary care doctor who's just blown away. I've been witnessing to him for years now. Still blown away. year later, 3.5 for the glory of God. Amen. Amen.
Now you got to pray. You got to pray with Kim and I to get the uh, underwriter at this life insurance company to see the light and do his homework and see all three CT scans. My point is this. You need a miracle. You need favor. You need blessing. You need the goodness of the Lord. Do what Joseph did over and over and over and over again, whether he was a slave or a prisoner. The Bible says that Joseph kept trusting God. He kept trusting the Lord. He kept expecting his dreams to be fulfilled. He kept expecting blessing to be just around the corner. And because of his faith expectation, in one day, God promoted him from being a prisoner to being the prime minister. There it is. I want you to be reminded that God wants to remember you with blessings of provision, protection, and especially his presence. It's a short trip to find trouble. And the next time you find yourself imprisoned by trouble, stay favor-minded. Boldly confess the promises of God. If you need to, I, I have been so discouraged at time in my office or at home in prayer. I have shouted out. I've screamed at the fires of hell, the forces of hell. If God be for me, who can be against me? And I've shouted it. Stand on his word. Greater is he that's within me than he that's within this world. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. we got to get bold about it. I don't know how. I don't know when. But somehow, someway, God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Quiz time. Question time. I need to ask you some questions. Historical questions. If you know the answer, don't say it. If you know the answer, I want you to merely raise your hand up high. And then you better be sure you got the correct answer because I'm going to call you out. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm going to give you three names. Tell me who they are. Remember, you're not supposed to speak. Just raise your hand if you know the answer. Who was Chester Arthur, Franklin Pierce, John Tyler? Raise your hand. Some of you were in my last service, and so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, put your hand down if you've already been in one of my services. Real good. Okay. Up in the balcony, I see one. Down here in the main floor, two, three, four, five. I see five hands being raised. Young people, I want you to know this. These are all old people raising their hands <laughs> compared to you. No. You want to know the answer? Let, should we call on one of them? Huh? Elaine? You got it correct. All three men were United States presidents holding the highest office in the land, if not the world. Chester Arthur, John Tyler, Franklin Pierce, all U.S presidents. Yet the vast majority, note it, let it be written down and recorded in the minutes of this official church meeting that the vast percentage of the people here this morning, you utterly forgot the, who those three men were. Except for a few paltry records in Ancestry.com. All of us will be utterly and completely 
forgotten one day. Except by God. Malachi chapter 3 verse 16. In His presence a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names of those who feared Him and always thought about the honor of His name. They will be My people, says the Lord of heaven's armies. On the day when I act in judgment, they will be My own special treasure. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. Then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. The scripture aptly records that God will choose to remember the righteous throughout all time and eternity. Please mark it down, though forgotten by all. Christians know that the moment we take our last breath, God will continue to remember us even after death throughout all eternity. Think of it after your last breath. The first thing that you will see in death will be this Christian, angels, escorting you into the very presence of God. Then God will wipe away every tear from your eye. In heaven, you'll never have a reason to weep again. And God will not forget any act of faithful service before Him. It does not matter how minuscule it was. It does not matter how it spacks of detail or minutia. It does not matter how small your act of service for the Lord was. Even you being faithful to church here this morning, God is going to remember it. That on August the 14th, you were here under the preaching of His Word. God will record that. Pastor, how do you know that God will reward Every faithful act of service, no matter how small. Because Jesus said it. Look what his word declares. Jesus said, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Maybe you could never afford a dream house. How many of you, your dream house became your money pit? It became, your dream house became your nightmare. Oh, I want you to know there's a day coming God's going to remember you. He said, let not your heart be troubled. In my Father's house are many mansions, and I go there to prepare a place for you that where I am you may be also. Hallelujah. One mathematician read in uh, Revelation that the New Jerusalem measures 1,500 by 1,500 miles, doing a little calculation and estimating the number of Christians since Jesus Christ and the size of the New Jerusalem. It equates to the fact that your new holy mansion is going to be one cubic mile by one cubic mile or 280 million square feet. Now that's what I call a holy condo. God will remember us by giving us new resurrection bodies. You're not, de you're not destined for some disembodied, vaporous spirit in cloud form that will be pulsating with light throughout all eternity. You're not destined to be a Casper, the friendly ghost. 
Your body will be exactly like the resurrection body of Jesus Christ. A resurrection body that can move at the speed of thought, that can pass through walls. Time and space have no restrictions or limitations upon it, yet a body that can be seen, a body that can be felt, a body that has flesh and bones, a body, hallelujah, that can continue to eat. Hallelujah, glory to God. Don't have to worry about no life insurance underwriters then. Amen. Because my new body, your new body in heaven, think of it, will have no more arthritis, MS, ALS, Alzheimer's, no more heart disease, leukemia, diabetes, emphysema, no more cancer. Hallelujah. That's shout material. Think of it with me. Heaven has no hospitals, no nursing homes, no cancer wards. You'll never hear the sound of a siren in heaven. You'll never walk through a cemetery in heaven. Funerals are not allowed in heaven because death, the final enemy, has been vanquished. God has remembered his people. I heard tell of a senior couple that decided that they wanted to live longer, live healthier live a more qualitative life. And so she talked her husband into eating health food, into eating nuts and almonds and walnuts, and then lots and lots and lots of bran muffins. The tough thing was they both died together in a car crash. They're taking a tour of heaven with Peter. I'd call him St. Peter, but that would mess up the fact that we're all saints. Amen? They're taking a tour with Peter. And the first place he took the old man was the country clubs, the golf courses of heaven. And the old man looked at the golf courses, looked at the greens. Uh, he said, oh, you got to get a hold of this. Uh, uh, Ken, you'll love this part. I mean, golf courses, unlike anything in Hawaii or anywhere in Southern California, unbelievable. And the old man said to, to Peter, he said, how much? Peter said, it's free. Old man said, wow. They went in the country club. They looked at the gastronomical delights of the buffet, the cuisine of heaven. The old man said, how much? Peter said, it's free. They went to their holy condo, their mansion just over the hilltop. It was magnanimous. It was ostentatious. It was opulent. It was magnificent. And the old man said, how much? And Peter said, it's heaven. Don't you realize it's free? Old man looked at his wife and said, you and your crazy old brand muffins. We could have been here 10 years ago. Ten years ago. I don't know about you. I don't have a death wish. I don't have a death wish. I don't have a death wish. But I long to be in heaven. I long for heaven. I long for heaven. Probably one of the most devastating things that you can ever experience in life, and many of you have already experienced it, is when the a loved one dies and goes home to be with the Lord. You know that they're with the Lord, but the finality, the, 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 the separation can be so devastating. 
Yet, what can we say, believers, we who are the blood-bought? It's never goodbye. It's never goodbye. But it's, I'll see you in the morning. I'll see you in the morning. One of the greatest experiences in the life to come will be the fact that God will remember us by offering us a great reunion in the skies. There will be no more goodbyes with our loved ones, only constant hellos. Like a homing pigeon, is there a homing instinct that resonates in your spirit for something better than this world? Do you find yourself asking, is this all there is? I want you to imagine a new world without temptation, a new world without sin. Uh, We weren't fashioned to live in a world where the name of God is blasphemed 24-7, where a million and a half abortions are committed every year, where violence uh, rules our streets like what we saw in Milwaukee last night, where no place is safe. Well, as they screamed out of that mall in Raleigh, North Carolina, over the weekend as shots were being fired, uh, it looked like something that could take place right at Lakeside Mall. We weren't fashioned for this kind of a world. We weren't fashioned to have to raise our children and our grandchildren in an X-rated world, an X-rated culture that's experiencing a moral meltdown that causes us to think twice when we go into a Target department store restroom and we wonder what's going to walk in. We weren't fashioned for such a world. No, we were fashioned for higher ground. Uh, We were fashioned to walk streets of gold. Uh, We were fashioned to walk and talk with the heroes of the faith, to see what the angels see, to sing what the angels sing, hallelujah, to rule and reign with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to be home. Home where we belong. All because God will remember the righteous. He'll remember you. He'll remember me. Now though the Bible reveals God eternally remembers the righteous, it also reveals the unrighteous are destined to be completely forgotten even by God. Proverbs 10, 7, we have happy memories of the godly, but the name of a wicked person rots away. Job 18, 17, all memory of their existence will fade from the earth. No one will remember their names. Psalms 34, 16, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Bible declares there's a day coming. There's a day coming. There's a day coming unlike any other, a day called Judgment Day. In most churches today, you will not hear this word that I'm about to preach. On Judgment Day, God's book of remembrance, the Lamb's book of life will be opened up. And anyone's name not found in the book, the Lamb's book of life, will be condemned and eternally separated from God. What does it mean to be eternally separated from God? Give me one word that describes eternal separation from God. One word. Hell. Hell is not a philosophy. Hell 
is not a concept or an abstract thought in someone's mind. Hell is not a religious connotation that is obsolete or antiquated. Hell is real, just as real as heaven. These are not my words. They are the words of the greatest preacher and the greatest teacher that ever walked this planet. He preached more. He warned more about this literal place than any of the apostles or the prophets of the Bible. Who am I speaking of? Jesus. Did Jesus know something? Did Jesus see something as the eternal Son of God incarnate? that no one else has witnessed? Is that the reason why he so warned us about that place? In most church circles, Christian circles, you will never, ever hear from the pulpit anything that smacks of eternal damnation or the fires of hell. But I'm accountable to God to warn you about that place. If I do not warn you, your blood will be required from my hands. I want to stand faithful before God. I'm accountable to Him more than I'm accountable to you. But Pastor Phil... There have been many books recently. There have been many videotapes. There have been many philosophies that uh, the concept of hell is an obsolete, antiquated tradition of the church. If there's no hell, then why did God send Jesus to die such a horrific death upon the cross. Why the need for a substitute? Why the need for a sacrifice? Why the need for the cleansing of the blood? Jesus did not die upon the cross just to save you from your sins. Jesus also died upon the cross to save you and I from hell. That's why he's our Savior, our Redeemer, our only hope. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man come unto the Father except by me. Now, ever wonder how anyone could enjoy and experience the blessings of heaven? If their son or daughter, husband or wife, mother or father was eternally condemned to hell, how could heaven be heaven if you knew your loved one was in hell? Heaven would be a nightmare. But God has solved it. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah recorded. This is God talking. God says, see, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. If you choose to go to hell, because God sends no one to hell. Let's be clear on that. God created hell for the, for the demons, for the devil and his angels. 
Your sin sends you to hell. Hell is a self-chosen state. Your sin puts you in partnership with the devil and his demons. You choose hell. God chooses hell for no one. He sent his son into this world not to condemn us, but to save us. If you choose to go to hell, its worst aspect won't be its fire. Its worst aspect, I submit it to you, is being eternally forever forgotten. In hell, there will be no one to weep for you. There will be no church praying for you. There will be no pastor pleading with you to get right with God, to turn around and to repent. In hell, there will be no one to stay up at night praying for you, wondering where you are, calling you on the phone, texting you. You'll never receive a text. There will be no Twitter. There will be no telephone call. There will be no email. There will be no Facebook message. Nobody will send you a birthday card. No one will send you an anniversary card. It will be as though you never existed. You'll be eternally and absolutely abandoned. And worst of all, you'll be totally forgotten. Forgotten forever. Even by God. Pastor Phil, what could keep my name from being written in the Lamb's book of life? Sin. Sin. But pastor, everybody has sinned. True. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the issue of the hour is this. Some have had their sins covered by the blood, the atoning blood of the Redeemer, the Savior, the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ. So when God opens up the Lamb's book of life, every name recorded there has been covered. It has been written in red, written in crimson, covered by the shed blood of the Son of God, Jesus. And because they're covered by the blood of the Lamb, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Because of the blood, old things have surely passed away. All has become brand new. Because of the blood, just before the twilight zone hour of the seven-year great tribulation, when the Antichrist, the son, the seed of Satan, will be ruling and reigning, and all hell literally breaks loose on planet Earth just before the dawning of the great tribulation because of the blood, hallelujah, the eastern skies will unzip, and blood-washed ears will hear what unbelieving ears cannot hear. Blood-washed eyes will see See what unbelieving eyes cannot see. Jesus descending from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise and we which are alive and remain will be caught up to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. There it is. All because of the blood 
the blood of the Lamb, Christ Jesus. So the question of all time and all eternity is this, and you can write it down. Will you be remembered or forgotten? Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. In the sacredness of this moment, even now, God. And we pray, come. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and woo. Tug at that heart that is going the wrong way. Lord, I pray, wrap your tender arms of love around that one that is resisting you, resisting your word, living life for self, living life for Satan. Lord, turn them around. Lord, we don't want them forgotten. We want them remembered for all time and for all eternity. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed here this morning. And I'm prepared to pray a prayer of salvation. A prayer that will save you, change you, rearrange you. A prayer that will cause you to have new life in the here and now and life in the hereafter, a home in heaven. A prayer that will cause God to remember you throughout all eternity. If you want to be included in this prayer, all you have to do is show your faith. All you have to do is demonstrate your willingness. We cannot will this for you. Even God Almighty Himself will not impose His will upon you and force you. You must choose this. If you want to choose to be right with God, if you want to choose this morning to make heaven your home, then lift up your hand right now. Lift it up so that I can see it. God bless you. 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 How many more lifting up your hands? God bless you. God bless you. How many more? Lift it up. You're really not lifting it up for me. You're lifting it up for Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see those hands. Yes, up on the balcony, I see that hand. God bless you. Keep those hands lifted up with me right now. And in this sacred moment, we're going to talk with God. We're going to talk with God. Think about that. We're going to talk with God. This is serious. This is momentous. This is the greatest decision of all time in eternity. We're going to talk with God. We're going to repent. And we're going to commit our lives in faith to Jesus Christ. Are you ready? I want everyone to pray this prayer out loud, especially you that have your hands lifted up by faith. Dear Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner, but Jesus... You're my Savior. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead 
with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A changed life. A cleansed life. A saved life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me. I now believe this as I receive this. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.